Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined as always by Matt Burden and Alan Kinney. Uh, Matt, the only one of us who's actually housed in the Norman, Oklahoma City area. Uh, <laughs> how's the Christmas vibe going on down there? How, how's, how's everything going up in, in uh, your neck of the woods? It's good, man. It's good. We got our uh, we got our decorations up in the apartment. Got some uh, some presents down underneath the tree already. I, I'm, I'm not procrastinating on that this year. Like I did, let's see, I'm 29, like 28 years prior, all the 28 years prior. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's good, man. It's good to, it feels good to not procrastinate on that stuff. And what about you, Alan? How's things going on in your neck of the woods, man? Oh, good, man. You know, I uh, went to some friends of ours had an annual holiday party last night. They do like a, a blind wine tasting every year where, you know, like you basically, everybody, you know, tries out the different wines and then they rank them and whoever, you know, brings the best one wins or whatever, I guess. Anyway, so there was one that was terrible. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah, it making people like we're trying it and then like coughing, whatever. <laughs> Come to find out at the end, it's it was Snoop Dogg's wine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> horrific. I, I, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a wine connoisseur by any stretch, but uh, apparently this was just like, just God awful. You, you have some, you have a little bit of Snoop Dogg's wine and now you're in the tracksuit. I see <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Uh, uh, things are going good over here in uh, old Durant, uh, Durant, America. We've got uh, the tree up. I've got a, I don't have a mantle, but we built like a little mantle, like a piece of like birch wood we built and like hung all the stockings on it. We did like a thing. Uh, so it's all set up to Christmas, Christmas is alive in the Southeastern Oklahoma uh, and everywhere else it seems. Uh, but that has kind of led to a little bit of a slowdown of news as there's been a dead period and, uh, the, you know, the games aren't being played. Uh, but one fancy game did happen Thursday night. Uh, Baker Mayfield makes his heroic return <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the NFL football field uh, and leads in a very improbable comeback after kind of looking as if someone who just walked off an airplane uh, two days prior, but was able to lead him down the field uh, to win the game against, you know, a, a bad team. Uh is is this? Do we think Baker can can massage some of his reputation if he's able to hold on to to playing on the Rams? I'm assuming just for the rest of the year, and that's it. But do you think we can kind of see some rehabilitation to potentially skill set or how he's seen uh, by the NFL? Well, I mean, if he plays well, the, keep in mind, you know, I mean, I'm not sure Matt Stafford will ever play again. 
So, uh, I mean, he's certainly not going to play this year. And, you know, with those injuries and, you know, how long he's been in the league, uh, he could be done. So, uh, I mean, I guess there's a shot, right, that if if Baker plays well the rest of the way, that maybe he gets, uh, you know, maybe maybe the Rams keep him and make him the starter. I don't I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he he looked like he played uh, he played a lot better not knowing the offense on Thursday than he has uh, <laughs> on what the offense is that he's been he's been working on the past, you know, been uh, how he's been playing there. So what about you, Matt? You think if if he's not able to really perform, is this kind of it for Baker as a starter in the NFL? I mean, is he going to yeah. do we think he's already transitioning to the the plucky Ryan Fitzpatrick career? Right. I, I think that's where it's honestly trending. I, I think I think him as a starter is probably done, but um, who knows, man? Being there with McVeigh, like I I hope he just stays with the Rams. Like I, I think that would be awesome for him. Like whether Stafford does come back and um if he if he does come back and play for another, you know, what, two, three years, whatever, that's fine. I think Baker that would do Baker a lot of good just being around like that Sean McVeigh system and, and and all that stuff I, I think that would do him a lot of good but you know it's it's baker he's gonna want to try to go he's gonna want to try to go be a guy somewhere and uh do all that and i i mean i don't blame him i don't blame him you only get to play football for so long so why not try to play um as many important roles as you can so i i don't know i i wanted to see him i want to see him be the backup there at the rams and then when stafford's finally done like try to take over for him but uh knowing Bake if he if he keeps playing like he did uh, last game, he'll he'll probably try to go be a starter somewhere. I mean that does fit within the Rams kind of mo. I don't see them like drafting a quarterback. I mean you know they do. I can't remember if they have one or not, but they are kind of like a free agency kind of buyer, kind of like transitioning that way. It would seem just like a perfect transition. Hey, we got this dude on the cheap. And he's working out well. Just keep rolling this way and use whatever draft stock we have for the rest of it. Because, you know, if Aaron Donald leaves, if McVay, I mean, well, he tried to leave last year, potentially. I mean, it's a lot of rumors. I mean, yeah. who knows? If if he gets stuck, if, you know, if Baker gets stuck on the Rams and the, the you know, the major offensive head coach leaves, uh, it might not what he wanted to be. But at least maybe he can hang out for Riley every once in a while <laughs> down in LA, <laughs> the valuable LA market. Uh, uh, we tossed, I tossed that one in off the top off of our, uh, it's not on our uh, sh- run of show, uh, but Alan did have a wonderful article on the Crimson Cream Machine that we're going to talk about and kind of dig into that. Uh, basically poo-pooing the idea of expanding the playoffs even more. Uh, I did know the four uh, four teams is always kind of an appetizer to uh, expanding it further. Uh, but Alan, you seem pretty dead set on, is 12 your ideal number or are you one of those four was good or like me bcs was fine uh i i mean i preferred the bcs i i honestly i mean like i don't know i'm fine going back to just the old bowl arrangements before the bcs even i i just i find the idea of like (laughs) the idea that there's this like objective process of crowning like a a consensus national champion in college football I i mean i just find it absurd because you know it, it teams are there's there's so little connectivity between their schedules and uh you know just all the different factors that weigh into it it's not the NFL where essentially every team is built essentially to uh really go about 8 and 8 you know or 9 and 7 uh or i guess pardon me 
uh, nine and eight or whatever, you know, now that I guess they're playing 17 regular season games. Right. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, 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 you know, I wasn't really ever big on even going to four teams. I was fine with the BCS uh, 12, I think is terrible. Uh, I just, I'm not, I'm not down with that at all. Um, a lot of it too is it's for me, it's more just, I, I object to the idea that like, we need to also keep asking the players to play more games. Like I realize we're only talking about, you know, a small number of teams here, but that small number of teams is probably also going to be made up of the guys who, uh, you know, can kind of least afford to be, uh, you know, with more, more the most to lose, I guess would be the best way to put it when it comes to playing more games. I mean, you know, I went through and looked at it, you know, at the, uh, you know, proposed projected bracket that a 12 team would have had this year using the next to last college football playoff rankings. Right. And like, you look at it and, you know, if, for example, if Clemson or Tulane or Kansas state or Utah were to somehow make it to the final game, they would have played 17 games in this in, in a season. Like that, that's just asking way too much in my opinion. I mean, I think that's right. Cause uh, I think you did bring up, yeah, the 17 games is what they do in the NFL, but they're paid professionals uh, right. who, who don't have to uh, balance the rest of everything. Like they only do the football. They don't have to also go to uh biology class or whatever classes kids are taking nowadays. I mean, they don't have to, you know, at least continue that sort of strangeness there. Uh, now I do know you're, you're talking about like how do you do this stuff? How you how you make the the size of the playoff right? Uh, I mean the NCAA I believe in the rest of its sports does have an uh, what is it? It's something like there's an approximate access ratio of one to six and a half. Uh, so that's how you kind of get the men's uh, you know the men's NCAA basketball teams, 64 teams out of the uh, uh, 406 teams available, things like that. It's like there is a certain amount of a ratio there, which if you were to apply that ratio to college football would be about 20 or so teams. Uh, do you think football, at least college football itself, at this level, because FCS obviously has 24 teams in their playoff, do you think that at this level that amount of teams are using that sort of ratio is just – out of out of out of question for the t- amount of physicality or just the earning potential that some of these players could lose on any one freak play as you're extending these games further and further into December and January. You know, I hadn't really thought about that in terms of the ratio of, of teams able to compete in the postseason. Uh, but again, like I mean, just for me, uh, football's different. It's different than basketball. It's different than baseball. It's different. I mean, the amount of the physical toll that it takes on players bodies uh it's just i mean it's it's just too much to, uh, to for me in my opinion to um justify extending the season further and further and this is all being done don't forget without really any kind of uh representation or or bargaining power on the part of the players i mean they're just told like here's what here's what we're going to do now and uh, you know, I think that you, at some point you'll have players that really do have kind of a tough decision to make about even participating in the postseason. Uh, just, I mean, you know, like I said, like if you're if you're potentially going to have to play four extra games uh, in the span of a month in, in December and January, I can't I don't know why you'd even want to start down that path if you say played for Clemson this year or played for Kansas State and we're looking at heading to the NFL at the end of the season. 
Matt, what do you think? Do you think 12 is right? Do you think 12 is the, the, the uh, 12 teams, first four get a bye, uh, and then the, the rest of the first, the first weekend games are host at the higher seeds uh, home field? Do you think that system, what they have, is the sweet spot? Right. I'm, uh, I'm kind of with Alan in this, in this, uh, article is like, yeah, it looks, it looks good for me sitting on my couch, watching it on my TV. Like kind of <laughs> what Alan said in his, in his article, like it, I, I agree. Like me sitting here, not having to play the games and, do, and take any of the hits or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, but whenever it gets to, whenever Alan put it, puts it like that, I mean, it makes sense. Like, do you, I, I've always been, under the impression, well, the naive impression that uh, maybe they would take at least one regular season game away. Like, stop with the with the mm-hmm. cupcake game. Like, you don't need to play Missouri State. You don't need to play um, whoever the hell, the Citadel. You don't need those games, right? Uh, now, they need those games, the, the lower-level teams. They need those games because it pays for their season, basically. Um, but... I was of the, under the impression that maybe they take away one regular season game whenever they expand the playoff. Um, now that was very naive of me. Uh, <laughs> to, that's yes. my naive opinion to be like, no, they're good. They're not going to just, yeah, miss out on one game extra of money and revenue and TV revenue, all that stuff. So I don't know. I like 12 just as a, a fan and of the game and a viewer. Uh, but when Alan breaks it down like that, I mean, it just, and like you said, Peyton, too, like they're they don't have to just focus on football. They have others. They have class. Yeah. They have all, all the schoolwork that they have to get done too. like it just I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm a fan of it, but uh, the the physical toll that it's going to take is, yeah, you're you're asking you're asking a ton out of 18 to 20 year old kids. Yeah, And the difference for like basketball and stuff is they, they're able to play all those games as you see the good players who know they're one and done a lot of times they just don't go to school yeah <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah they're like they're hey, there well, to play we, basketball yeah get c's for the first semester yeah. and then you don't have to go you don't have to right. go to class the next semester it, that, that part makes it a bit of a different beast there uh so at, at, i do want to ask this too so everyone seems to think it's it's really well thought out and it's just kind of like hey just be one of the top four teams is the idea of a buy at a college football level appropriate or or i don't want to say fairness but i guess that's what i want to land on you think that is that fair because these teams aren't as deep as pro football teams where everyone has the same amount of money to spend and stuff like that i mean mm-hmm. it's one guy goes down and that's it you're done you don't have a good backup left tackle you don't I mean you can't really shift stuff around uh but a buy can really change the the you know the atmosphere of of matchups moving forward i mean Alan, is that something that you've had a chance to kind of think about of just that idea at the college level, at this top end level? Well, I mean, if you look back at the rosters in the past couple of years, just having two games instead of one, uh, you know, when they went to four, I mean, that's had an impact on, uh, you know, health, health wise and, and depth and roster issues. Uh, you know, you've had guys going out, you know, I mean, last year, what Jameson Williams, for example, you know, blows out his knee in that uh, championship game. So, you know, I guess a buy, I guess, I mean, I guess playing three games is better than having to play four. Right. But I mean, even now you're even three games is more than they'd have to do right now under this system. It just, it's just, you know, maybe they can give them more scholarships or, or something like that. But the other thing to think about too, is 
by the time you get to this point in the postseason, if you've kind of, you know, went, went out away all the uh, teams that, you know, aren't really competitive and you're just getting kind of supposedly the elite of the elite, that's when you're going to have the most the most opportunity for injury. You're going to have, you know, the best teams with the biggest dudes going up against each other every single, or, you know, uh, once a week for a month. Uh, it's just it, – <laughs> I, it's not sustainable. Now, maybe they decide, okay, well, we'll give every team five or six extra scholarships or yeah. 10 extra scholarships. I mean, maybe that's in the cards, but uh, even then, it just, to me, it just doesn't seem seem like a good idea. It feels like to me is a, is a, I want to use the term slippery slope, and I hate that term, uh, but it seems <laughs> like it's a, a slippery slope into the idea of bringing back how college football was in the 60s and 70s uh, because while this has a charade of being or a facade of being more inclusive because more teams will be in the hunt, so to speak. Uh, but in actuality, less and less teams will have the ability to withstand the rigors of this uh, unless they're recruiting at a certain level to withstand for, you know, three to four extra football games. And then if NCAA sees that that's an issue and then gives Georgia 10 more scholarships <laughs> to sign 10 more blue chip. I mean, it just seems like, while the talent is already vacuumed to the top, um, and this is obviously a has or just have not sport, it will just start separating even more. You know, in my opinion, uh, Matt, do you think I'm I'm wrong on that, or do you think maybe you know, let's say Oklahoma State's able to make the playoffs one every five years or once every four years because they can get into the twelve seed, uh, you know, something along those lines. Do you think that has a chance to increase their talent profile or will all the talent just keep going to Bama and Georgia yeah. and Ohio state and, you know, Oklahoma, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think, uh, no, I do think all the talent will still go to the place. I mean, again, you bring in NIL, that's a complete game changer, man. Like it's just like the rich will definitely keep getting richer. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think that there probably is something to the argument that, by opening the playoff up to more teams, you'll have more teams that can then use that in recruiting. You know, you can, yeah. you don't have to be, you don't have to win the SEC now to yeah. get a shot in the postseason. Uh, you know, like, you know, so if you're UCLA or, you know, or Washington or you're one of these teams in the Big 12, you know, and I mean, you can you can sell that now as like you do you will have a legitimate shot to play on the biggest stage that won't change it who's who's winning ultimately but it could have some type of maybe marginal effect uh towards leveling the recruiting playing field a little bit i think i remember what i was gonna say sorry um <laughs> i had the thought and it just went off but no um again like I think all of this is just buying time until the SEC and like Big Ten break away from the NCAA. Like from from like before college football breaks away from the NCAA completely. Like I really think this is all just buying time until that happens. That's my little tinfoil like hat <laughs> conspiracy there, but um, no, man, I, I think the rich will keep getting richer no matter what. Like, I, I don't think adding more scholarships will, like, like you said, pay. I mean, it's just like, hey, that's just a chance for Georgia to sign the 10 more five and four star defensive linemen. Like, you know, like, and, and everyone else misses out on those guys. So uh, I don't know. It, it's, um, 
it's interesting. I'm just interested to see where it goes because there are a ton of different ways that this can go. And I would almost argue, Alan, you, you talked about, you know, if you're a different conference, you can pitch these things. Uh, of the 12, currently it's seven Big Ten and SEC teams. I, I think that could ease, that number could easily get up to eight to nine, <laughs> potentially. Uh, it, it's almost like the Big 12 is kind of like, well, you got to win it. The, pack, the new Pac-12 will be, you kind of have to win it. I mean, yeah, you have a chance to sneak in there, but I would almost guarantee you, you start seeing these playoff uh, committee rankings start solidifying themselves in different ways. I mean, yeah, that's me putting a tinfoil hat on to a certain degree, but uh, you're already seeing an outsized representation from the Big Ten, and that's that's me including USC into that number uh, and the SEC. Um, it just feels like it's going to have a chance, you know, and obviously the, uh, the SEC uh, commissioner making this, this cheeky thing of thinking, oh, I think we'll be able to get seven teams in. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I think, I don't know. It just feels like there's not enough oxygen now in some weird way. They're able to open the room up to even more people, but just feel like more people are just going to somehow end up getting shoved out at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've got some stipulations in here, you know, for example, that the, they have yes. to take six of the highest ranking, highest ranked, uh, you know, conference champions. Right. So, or automatic qualifiers, however you want to put it. So, there is that part of it, right? There, so that's going to ensure that the field is spread out a little bit, you know. So then, for the you know for the SEC to get seven teams in, that would mean the SEC gets all the uh, all the, the at large spots. Like <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that that probably won't end up coming to pass. Um, but uh, it certainly could. You could certainly could see a case where um, more teams, like you said, do. You know, I guess it could just end up being more spots for the SEC and Big Ten to claim. I guess it's it's certainly possible. Yeah, because the only thing I mean, I, I can't remember how. Uh, is there the is there the Notre Dame like uh, exception in these rules? That's a good question. I don't believe so. I think that if Notre Dame gets in, I think that they would not be able to qualify for a buy just based on what. Uh, they're since they're not in a conference that's wild because because i could see it being like four big 10 teams four sec teams in notre dame and then the conference champs and the other ones <laughs> i mean yeah. it, it, it seems like I, I don't think that's like you know if i'm esb and i'm fox that's how i'd want it to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i mean that's that's where most of your money's going to come from um it just feels like we had a very interesting system you know in my I enjoyed the computer systems and stuff because it, it, it enabled, you know, if you're winning your games and stuff, then who cares if you're if you're recruited poorly? <laughs> you still, you know, you're winning the games, you, you were able to earn the chance. Now things I don't know, just get so weirded out. And I think this is maybe the first time the committee proved me wrong by keeping TCU in it and also keeping them at number three. Uh, so congratulations on that. But all the other times it just felt like they're just shuffling it around trying to obviously, I mean, it's a TV product. They're trying to get the best and again, maybe that's also a thing. I'm rambling. It's not a playoff. It's still an invitational. It is set up purely for TV. There is no, you know, a lot of, there is some earned entry there, but it isn't like the NFL playoffs where, yeah, you, these games do matter. You have to win these games and so on and so forth. I mean, there is, there is a blurred line there. I think there is like a, like once it gets to 12 and you're, you are talking about home field, that is going to basically like 
going to be the NFL. It's it's like, okay, this team, it's not, it's going to be different in the fact where like, oh, this team lost a game. They might need to, they might not even make the playoff now. Now it's going to be, oh, they lost a game. They might have to go to Clemson as opposed to hosting Clemson or something like that. So it's going to be different, like levels of doom, basically. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> I mean, like I look at it right now, and I, it seems to me like with four teams, right? Like you're just trying to get in, really. Like the, I think it, it seems like the geography of it and everything, like it, that doesn't is given that you can't host a home game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it seems kind of all relative. I guess you'd rather play a team that wasn't ranked number one, for example. You know, and but even so, I mean, it just feels like you're you're just kind of hoping to get a ticket in and then you know go from there. Yeah, because right now the teams you'd have hosting uh, based on this, you know, 12 format, if it started this year, you'd have Penn State hosting, Ohio State hosting, Alabama hosting, Tennessee hosting. You know, they're all just poor little programs needing that extra home game. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the rich will keep getting richer. uh, But how awesome would those atmospheres be, man? That's my thing. Like, it would be pretty cool. How awesome would a Neyland Stadium be? Like what is a hundred and five thousand fans in a playoff yeah. atmosphere? Like that would that would be awesome, man. It would be really cool. I think it'd be really cool if somehow like Tulane was hosting. You know, I, I think be, that would be a really be cool atmosphere, something like that. Uh, you know, Kansas State were hosting Tennessee coming down. I mean, it, I think if if these teams are able to kind of move around in that dynamic, I think that would be really interesting. Uh, yeah, it, enough playoff talk. <laughs> uh we could go we can keep going into it i just don't it'll be fun football game will be good for us as content obviously more games to talk about more games to do stuff with uh but it just seems like it'll be separating i think the chances of touching a title slightly doesn't slightly get harder just gets harder because you just play more games yeah. you have more more chances something bad to happen more chances of just running into a team that you know styles make fights and just running into a good counter puncher and you know, your season's over. Uh, but now, for the first time this year, our OU basketball update from Matt Burton. OU, uh, OU sitting at a nine and three. I'm sorry, seven and three, and just recently lost to the number nine uh, Arkansas team. Didn't they play that in Tulsa? They did, man. Yeah, BOK Center, which I think I think that's an awesome like, like place yeah. for a college basketball game. Um, but yeah, man, OU basketball lost to Arkansas, and really like. OU was up at halftime, but I feel like they were playing well and they they weren't up enough. <laughs> like that's that's one of those things like, man, OU's playing great. Uh, they're only up uh by a bit. <laughs> yeah. just, and then Arkansas, I feel like really I just felt like that pissed Arkansas off. And you could see it in the in the second half, man. It was just turnover after turnover. And really I like I told Peyton before he got on, I'd like I think it just boiled down to Arkansas is really effing good. <laughs> I just yeah. think they're really good, man. They're going to have like two or three guys drafted in the first round of the NBA draft. Like the Nick Smith Jr. kid is going to be a top five pick, their point guard. Uh, I mean, long arms, can shoot it, uh, can do everything, man. He is so much fun to watch. And that's that's really what I, what I thought. I don't even think Oklahoma really played that bad, <laughs> which, yeah. which is crazy. I mean, besides like – uh, the turnovers, but they were forced turnovers because Arkansas was just getting after it uh, on defense. But uh, I, I feel good about this OU basketball team, man. I, I do. Th- I think they'll get. I think they should get into the tournament. 
Um, maybe like 10, 9 seed. They're, they're not going to be a high seed, but I think they should get in. Um, Grant Sherfield, a lot of fun to watch. My main complaint last year with last year's basketball team was um, they didn't really have a guy. They didn't really have like a go-to mm-hmm. guy, um, which is fine. I mean, they, they won games playing good team basketball, and that, that can be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but when it gets down to like, you know, the March time, like all the times you got to have some good guard play and some like guys that can go get you a basket. Uh, and they finally got that with Grant Sherfield, man. He is fun to watch the transfer from Nevada. Um, his like mid range, like the mid range is not dead with Grant Sherfield. Mm-hmm. He laid the mid range and he gets to that elbow and pulls up, man. It is like automatic. Uh, him and then uh, the uh, Milos Yuzon kid, the freshman, he played great against Arkansas. Um, but he, he's been good this whole, this whole season for them, uh, watching a freshman come in and get after it on defense. Like he can, it's fun to watch. I mean, you're talking about, uh, Nick Smith jr. The kid that's going to go top five in the draft. He had a good game and he put up 21 points. Um, but Milos Yuzon was guarding him majority of the time and he was making it difficult for, he wasn't making it like those were earned 21 points from a guy that's going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. Like they, they were earned. And not not give it like Melos Yuzon. I, I he's an absolute dude, and uh, yeah, excited to watch him. Hopefully, hopefully he sticks around this crazy world of NIL that we're in and college basketball, especially. I hope he sticks around at OU because uh, the Yuzon kid, he he he'll be fun to watch if he sticks around at OU. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've got a couple more games, non-conference, and OU has Florida coming up soon, and then they kick off confer- conference play against Texas, I believe. Uh, so that's always a fun way to start it off. Uh, I want to try to make and Texas to... is really good too. So. Yeah, well, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to, I'm trying to make my way down there and, and watch a few games, see if I can hang out with Hype Man Harry, uh, give him his a bottle of tequila that he won. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alan, have you had a chance to, to, to keep an eye open on the basketball team or just kind of keep it on the peripheral? Yeah, I've got. A, I've watched a couple of their games. Um, the, you know, I mean, it's uh, I don't know. It, 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 they don't have a ton of just, you know, jaw-dropping athletes, anything like that. You know what I mean? Like they've got it, – it, it reminds me of uh, the team they really kind of feel last year and so far as they've got solid, solid basketball players everywhere, you know, but – um, you know, they're going to have the big 12 is just, it's so good. And they're going to have, a, I mean, a, a very tough time in that league, but you know, if they can get to around 500, even, I think that gives them a pretty good shot at getting into the tournament. Cause that would involve, you know, beating at, at some point, some, some pretty solid teams. Um, they've definitely got a little bit more scoring than last year with, with adding Sherfield. Um, so, uh, so that will certainly help a lot because it, it felt like at times last year they were just pulling teeth looking for somebody to who actually kind of wanted to take big shots, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess my one of my questions is, Matt, if you've watched more, like, what's going on with uh, Joe Bamisol? I. That's a really good, great question. Yeah. <laughs> because like, I don't know. That's a guy that's played a lot of college basketball and so far has not delivered on what OU thought they were getting and what, like, I mean, you go look at some of the stuff he did at George Washington. I mean, I mean, he was shooting well from the outside and he really Mm -hmm. hasn't done. He kind of has a funky looking shot a little bit for a guy that's supposed to be a, a knockdown shooter. Um, so I don't know. I I think right now they're just, 
I think their best lineup is like putting three like three guards out there like um Grant Sherfield, Milos Yuzon, and Bijan Cortez. I think those are their best yeah. three guards. And then having, you know, one of the Groves brothers out there and like Jalen Hill. I think yeah. that's like I think that's like their best one of their best lineups right now. Um and that's just that's just the way it goes, man. I don't know what Damas Hill's deal is. He just not not what they signed up for. I don't, I don't think at, at least right now, uh, he, yeah. he could just be going through a slump, you know, and this is his like, I don't know, third team, I think <laughs> or something yeah. like that. He's been, to, he's been on a bunch of different teams, college basketball. So maybe it's just that, but yeah, I don't know. And I'm also just looking at OU schedule. Like they just, <laughs> they, you're it's... getting like no favor. Like even in like the, Big 12 SEC challenge, like in the middle of the year, they play Bama, who's yeah. ranked eighth overall. They got a guy that's going to be a high NBA draft pick. Like, and not only that, like you said, I mean, the Big 10 or Big 12 again is just loaded. Like, they are just yeah. loaded. Like, even TCU is ranked in the top 25 now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, man. There's going to be, it's going to be a gauntlet for sure. But I do think that this team, it'll be similar to last year but I think a little bit better than last year as, as far as like, I think they could beat they could go beat a Baylor on the road. Yeah. But then they're, they might lose to Oklahoma state at home. Like, you know, it's like, it's going to be one of those things. Like that's the thing that I think bothered me last year. The most is not winning the games that you're supposed to win. I think that's ultimately what cost them. I mean, they lost, I think they lost to like West Virginia last year, who was not very good. Um, Lost to Oklahoma state. And I was just like, I, you got to win the games that you're that you're supposed to. Um, I mean, because because you, you really have to in the Big Twelve because it's not gonna it's not gonna be kind to you if you don't. Well, that's been your OU basketball update by Matt Burden. Uh, <laughs> we'll try to get some. We'll try to get some sound bites to that stuff. Uh, now moving on back to football, I wanted to get the basketball stuff in there. I did see that uh, OU wrestling lost uh, at OSU in Bedlam on the last last bout. They're tied up, and then the, the OU player uh, Keegan um, just kind of gets stomped in thirty seconds. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> OSU is a national powerhouse, obviously at wrestling. Uh, I wish OU could somehow find like a couple more million dollars a year to toss at that program. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, OU in the transfer portal. Alan and I have had much discussion about how we think OU will be somewhat conservative in the portal, uh, more program building, or maybe how we would hope Brent to look at more high school prep, build out the long way, think of this site-wise. But uh, the portal overfloweth mm-hmm. <laughs> with talent that no, maybe people didn't quite expect half of the Texas A&M Aggies to enter into the portal uh, and, and you know, multiple Clemson players and, and so on and so forth. There has been a, a buzz of activity across all the OU platforms. I uh, uh, have it of people being very excited about how OU could potentially nab a couple of these guys. Uh, Alan, are you still holding steady to the idea that OU needs to be, you know, fill the needs they have, but don't go overboard on it and uh, continue building this path or, or you kind of lean into more of this is, hey, this is a really cool one-year, one case because this is the last bit of the COVID stuff. We have all the money flowing. If there's a couple of five-star defensive linemen, let's bring them in. Let's throw some cash at them. Well, I mean, if they're five-star defensive linemen and they're looking for somewhere <laughs> new to go, man, chances are that uh, there's a reason. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't. 
you know, last year, I think you, you saw, you know, Caleb Williams going to the portal. And that was, I mean, uh, just a, you know, kind of seismic type event. You're not, you're not going to see that this year with this, with this group. I just, I, I don't see a ton of guys out there who I think, you know, can, I mean, just can't miss. Oh, you needs to get them in, in the door on the team. I mean, you see a few, right. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I still think I'd be, I would be fairly conservative with it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you look, look at the number of OU players that have entered, um, you know, I think really you, you, I mean, you had a couple guys, right. That signed with Brent last year. Now, uh, I think, uh, Kevante Henry is that his name. I think that he was a disciplinary issue. Um, and then, uh, you know, so, and then Nick Evers, I mean, that was a late kind of flyer on a guy who's not going to get a chance to really probably see meaningful snaps at OU. Um, and then Alden Tarber. So really it's just kind of the one that, you know, one guy who, uh, Venables himself identified, uh, that, that is out. So, um, you know, it, it I think in that regard, I, I see why they want to, you know, maybe pick up like nine or 10 guys from the portal, but, I just, I don't, I don't believe that it's going to be something that they lean on very heavily going forward. What about you, Matt? I mean, this weekend was supposed to be a very large weekend for OU uh, in, in the portal, having a lot of, I mean, some portal guys there, a lot of high school guys there. Uh, Do you think this is like a once, I mean, you're at the cash register, you see a couple portal guys sitting there. (laughs) It's like (laughs) an impulse buy thing. Uh, this could potentially be a one. I mean, I think there's like over a thousand plus, uh, you know, potential athletes in the portal a lot for different reasons. I mean, especially if you look at, at OU side of things, uh, the guys who have left have not. Uh, Theo went to Missouri, but I think everyone else is looking at dropping a low, you know, dropping a, a level down to a certain degree uh, on the skill sets and the teams. Uh, do you think there are fits out there? I know there's the Cincinnati kid that people are kind of talking up and his brother and everything, um, you know, they're on campus. Uh, it, it, do you think, OU needs to be a bigger buyer uh, with how much seems to be out there right now? Yeah. Um, I think they're, they might be a little bit forced to right now, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think they really want to hit the portal that hard all the time, but I think these first couple of years, they kind of had to, right? I mean, with all the roster turnover, when when Lincoln left, they kind of had to just throw some stuff together. Like they they really just had to just to get some some bodies in there. Um, and then you know this year was like the processing year, basically. Like hey, like don't think you guys are going to play for us, like, and we'll we'll be happy to help you find uh, somewhere to play, basically. So I, I think they're going to be a little bit more active in the portal, like than probably what they want to be, but uh, next year, probably not going to be that. It'll probably just keep declining a little bit. I think right now, these, especially these first two years have just kind of been out of necessity and like getting guys in and uh, guys that'll fit because yeah, this, this whole year was just like, Hey, if you guys want to stay, we, we kind of need you just to have bodies. And uh, this year, you know, that's the the development and seeing who can and can't play for you. And as we've seen guys enter the portal, uh, I'm sure those talks were had like, Hey, you're not going to, you're not going to play for us. Like, well, 
be happy to keep you around. You can play special teams, but uh, if you want more, if you want more playing time, that's not going to be here at Oklahoma, which I think is, I think is fair. And I think that's, that's nice to be honest with guys. You know, you, you kind of have to be honest with guys uh, about where they stand, but now I, I think it'll be declining soon. Like, so you're, you're, you're a big fan of Dion's speech. Oh dude, I loved it. I loved it. How could you not, man? Dude, that was awesome. And not like not the and if you're second, one of the kids in the room, you probably didn't love the, it. Not the 40 second clip of of that one, but like that same clip if you expanded it by like uh one more minute, you could hear the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't telling those guys to transfer. He was just saying like, "Hey, I'm looking for this, this and this. And if that isn't you, go ahead and hit the transfer portal." It wasn't it wasn't like, "Hey, I'm, I'm here. I, well, I mean, he was saying that, but he was saying <laughs> I'm here. I'm coming. But no, it, it was more so like, hey, if this it, this is the criteria I'm looking for, if this isn't you, then, uh, yeah, hop in that transfer portal. But I will say that 40 second clip was hilarious. Too. <laughs> it's no, like, no. The line of I'm bringing my I'm bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louis. I was like, Ooh. oh man, that is an awesome line. <laughs> Deion yeah, Sanders, I mean, man, always been a wordsmith. That, yeah, he's he's uh the, the you know modern day Ric Flair to a certain degree, oh, you know, yeah. or uh, you know Steve Sperry, your old ball coach. I mean, it, it it it's nice when you have those type of guys, and hopefully he's good, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's not just a sideshow. Well, it's gonna do, uh, it's gonna go one of two ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of two ways. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh yeah new head coach of Auburn in twenty twenty five. I think if you've seen the the portal as is right now, I mean, I think you've got Jacob Lacey who just came in, uh, in what was it? Maybe a month ago, uh, according, uh, according to 24 seven, it's a four star, uh, transfer defensive lineman D D tackled six, two, I think that's the style of player. OU is trying to find these guys who will be serviceable. I don't think OU is going to be able to land. Uh, let's say there is a Caleb Williams type out there. You know, I know Texas A&M. I, I love bashing on them they did lose multiple of their defensive line class you know i don't think those guys are going to come to ou that's just my pessimistic ou fandom on this i think they're going to be getting jacob lacy there's a defensive tackle out of wyoming i know the staff's looking at i think those are the types of players you're going to end up seeing uh injected into this roster uh the cincinnati kid i cannot remember his name uh well there's there's mccullough yeah mccullough yeah indiana that's right yeah so he went. He's coming from Indiana, and then his his brother is a uh, is committed. Yeah, yeah. Or he is committed to Cincinnati at the yeah, moment. Correct. I believe we'll probably end up flipping though, uh, given the changeover there with the you know, coaching staff. And you see that you see that there's you know the the door is cracked open for oh you put their foot in. I just don't knock you said. I don't know if they're going through in. I mean they're obviously probably contacting everybody, but it's Brent has seen this fit and style and culture i just don't think he's going to bring in a bunch of uh quote unquote mercenaries uh to that side of it but we do have some nice uh heartwarming stuff austin stogner is back <laughs> on the ou football roster uh after one year um one year abs- uh, studying abroad uh in the country <laughs> of south carolina <laughs> uh, austin stogner is back do we see this as just a talent acquisition or is this potentially a uh a referendum on Caden Helms and uh, Jason Llewellyn, uh, maybe not being able to separate as that H back um, uh, tight end um, room. 
I mean, for me, it sounds it's got to be well. I, I mean, they probably just need an upper. Feel like they need an upperclassman there. You know, I mean, it's a position where, uh, you know, playing playing young guys there. You know, like anywhere else on on the field, really with freshmen, they got to bulk up, right? I mean, you know, Stogner, you have somebody who's a little bit more developed, uh, more experienced. He's not the same kind of player as Braden Willis, probably especially as a blocker, but a guy that you can still, you know, play and, you know, feel feel pretty good about. Now, the the one thing is, is like with Sogner, it, it always feels like his potential is, you know, so much been so much higher than the actual production. Um, he had some moments there where when he was kind of serving as a, Spencer Rattler's kind of security blanket where he was, you know, I mean, he was definitely doing a lot, but then like last year, I think he had this season, pardon me, he's had 20 catches for 210 yards and a touchdown. Like, I mean, you know, really just not, not a whole lot to go on. Yeah. And like, and if you just like look at his OU career, like, I mean, his freshman year was the Jalen hurts. I mean, he had the, those, Mm -hmm. uh, those catches in the Baylor game that everyone remembers the big comeback uh, down in Waco. But like, I mean, again, like you said, freshman playing tight end, like he, he really didn't get that many opportunities. And then the next year was Spencer Rattler. They win win the big 12. I mean, I think he did all right. And then like, what? Oh no. Was that, that was the year he got hurt, right? Like almost died. Yeah. So he played, yeah, he, so, he only, yeah, he only played eight games in 2020. Right. And then like, and then he barely played, at all, right? He played like what the last couple of games, maybe uh, the year before he he transferred to South Carolina. So, I mean, I don't know. He just really, I don't think he really had that many great opportunities, simply because I mean he got injured and like almost died too. Like, yeah. like I mean, it was really, really scary stuff. And to the, uh, I mean, it it had to have caught his eye, obviously, with how well Braden Willis played this year yeah. and like how much he like or like how much they were looking his way man so i don't know i hope he, i hope he comes in i hope he is still healthy like um it, it seemed like he was down in south carolina because i as a receiving threat I, I still think he's really good so um i don't know he just he just had a weird oklahoma career if if that yeah. make, makes sense well, him coming back from South Carolina, I mean, makes it even weirder. Right, absolutely. <laughs> like, but like, does he have some other like strong tie to OU or something, uh, or is it just uh, he saw he he likes what he he heard from the new coaching staff, or uh, that that part is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I, yeah, that's the part I would. I have no clue on whatsoever, but it seemed like he, he, you know, him and Radler desperately needed just a change of scenery. Oh yeah, uh, and and now to have that change of scenery and then I guess maybe potentially find, well, obviously, I mean, South Carolina's offensive coordinator is changing, Rattler's mm-hmm. transferred, all that kind of stuff. So, hey, the reasons why he went there is no longer there. I mean, Shane Beamer is still there. Uh, I don't know why you'd want to come back. I mean, it just seemed like you could just, just you know, got, you know, went through one more year uh, or you could have gone to, you know, you know, make a move to, uh, you know, like SMU or something. You know, somebody was like, hey, we're a more pass a more pass heavy kind of school because uh, while OU is wide open and, you know, throwing the football around, they're rushing the ball like 65% of the time, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. much more than passing. So it just doesn't seem like the the targets will be there at the university of Oklahoma. So there must've been a different type of draw, uh, maybe some NIL type of stuff. I mean, I'm not entirely for sure uh, to kind of pull them back into here. Uh, Cause I just don't think 
yeah, while uh, Willis had a good season, I don't know if it was like an NFL, you're going to get drafted in the you know fourth or fifth round type of type of thing at that point in time. Uh, and then the last thing on the note we can talk about a little bit, there are rumors uh, 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 running wild. I think Alan actually maybe like uh, side-eyed us one time uh, talking about if uh, a certain wide receiver plays in the bowl game, hey, maybe it looks like he might be coming back. Uh, but the smoke, it, there is smoke at this point in time. I don't know how big the fire is, but there is smoke about uh, Marvin Mims maybe potentially playing in this bowl game and then uh, naturally returning to the team um, uh, for for one more go-around at OU. Uh, is that... Alan, we've already talked about the 12-team playoff and maybe that not being smart for football players and their earning potential. Could Mims, would you think it'd be smart as a business? Because he's a business now. (laughs) Would you think it'd be smart for Mims to come back? I mean, is there potential for Mims to prove more? Because in my mind, he is who he is at this point in time. Um, But do you think there is a business case for him to want to return? Oh, man. I, you know, I hate, I really hate weighing in on these decisions because oh, no. like, I mean, well, it's their life, man. Like, yeah. you know, when people are like, Oh, so-and-so should come back or whatever, get your degree or whatever. Maybe the kid doesn't like going to school. You That's know true. what I mean? Like all these different things. I, I always feel that way. So uh, I think if Mims is coming back, he probably didn't hear what he wanted to hear from the NFL. Um, and so, they'll you know he'll have some things that you know he can probably work on i i don't know if he if it's the kind of situation where he he is what he is like maybe they're going to ask him to show a little bit more in certain in certain areas but i guess the other thing would be like let's say that he is kind of capped as like i don't know like a fourth or fifth round type guy like if that's the case you know he could probably come back and make some decent decent money uh in, in an IL OU right and then uh <clears throat> cuz he'll be i mean he'll be widely you know kind of uh lauded for coming back he'll have a lot of preseason hype around his name all that kind of stuff so opportunity there to make some money and then you know maybe it's, it's somehow during that you know extra season figure out a way to kind of boost his draft his draft stock um, but you know, to me, he was, Mims was never a guy that seemed to me like a dead solid lock to go, uh, pro early just because he's not really like a physical freak, you know what I mean? Or anything like that. He's a great, really solid, uh, you know, productive receiver, but not quite, you know, I mean, just kind of these, these big long dudes that you see getting drafted early now. Yeah, that's. I, I guess I maybe saw it the other way of of like seeing that and thinking, okay, he's going to have a chance now to play in Flebby. We've seen how they treat number one wide receivers in this offensive scheme. Was that he's going to get the football? Like that's going to happen. It's going to be force fed to him, and that that would be his best case scenario of this is who I am. This is now you can see me in more of this number one style of role. Um, you know, now I've, I've had made my business case, you know, and that's removing the emotionality of it or like he want, you know, maybe he just loves Norman. You know, you know, yeah. Things people make decisions for a million different reasons, but to boil it down the simplest thing of just like business, you know, case scenarios of going to the NFL or not. Um, you know, what I saw this year, I was like, okay, that seems like him that he's, he's proven what it would look like if he were to the, you know, the main guy, um, but just having Dylan Gabriel back there and the struggles that he had during half the back half of the season really kind of hurt um, his ability to really separate, in my opinion. Um, 
but you can you kind of have to divorce those two wide receiver production versus the talent of the quarterback delivering the footballs at that point in time. And NFL is great at looking through that stuff. Uh, but Matt, d- d- if he were to come back, I and mean, we keep saying if no one knows anything, but if he were to come back, do you think this is a that really makes you start raising your eyebrow at what OU could be next year? I mean, because replacing Mims would be a heavy task with who uh, OU has in the wide receivers at this uh, wide receiver group so far. Right. Uh, definitely. It definitely raises the ceiling, obviously. I mean, having your number one guy back again, that definitely raises the ceiling, but if I learned anything this year, I'm not having any expectations for, for OU football <laughs> next year. I'm, I'm not, man. Y'all could get tricked if you want to. Y'all aren't tricking me again. <laughs> oh man don't want to get tricked yeah yeah now is the winter of our discontent in matt's uh matt's house right. uh, <laughs> I, I think it's i think if he comes back it's a good move there it depends on if if how more comfortable uh you know dylan gabriel is it does the running back situation get settled out does barnes become the the next eric gray type of productivity and things like that that could happen there uh but before we start talking too much about next year and everything like that, I think I think that might be a, a bridge too soon or a bridge too far, even if I'm going to get my uh, uh, colloquialisms correct. Uh, OU still has a, one last bowl game to play against Florida State. We'll be talking about that soon. Uh, if you guys got that number at minus one, God bless you. You did what you're supposed to have done. It's climbed up to seven and a half last time I checked. <laughs> so congrats if you were able to jump on it soon. You should have. I think we all said do that immediately. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's up to seven and a half now. Uh, but the main thing about OU right now is recruit, practice, see you next year on the football team. Uh, that's everything we have written down on the show notes. Uh, guys, remember to support us on the Patreon channel. We had a uh, an interesting had an interesting conversation with Jessica Luther about Title IX and um, the, the system of college athletics and how it can maybe corrupt or make it hard for someone to be a quote-unquote good person um, at that times. If you're not subscribed, I suggest subscribe to listen to that. Uh, if you have subscribed and have had a chance to listen to it, give it a listen. Jessica's very knowledgeable uh, and did a lot of reporting over the uh, Baylor situation and really kind of knows in depth about how this stuff happens uh, and how it continues to happen. I'd give it give that a shot. And then we'll be uh, bringing on some other people to talk about the college football playoffs and uh, also a preview of the Florida State game uh, in the coming weeks. Um, did I miss anything, guys? I don't. I don't think so. Sounds like uh, we covered just about everything. Awesome. Uh, we'll be we'll be watching more basketball uh, in depth. I promise <laughs> you. Uh, to talk about that going forward. Uh, again, join us uh, on the Patreon side. Go to Vanessa House. Uh, hit all of our sponsors. Those are the only two. But do more if you're a sponsor. Come hang out with us. Uh, but Matt, do the thing we always do. Boomer. Sooner. 